Welcome into another edition of West of Everest, a day after Oklahoma takes down Iowa State 50 to 20 Saturday night in Norman, Oklahoma. The Sooners now 5 and 0 on the season. With, of course, Texas on deck. Lee Benson joined, as always, by Grant Benson here Sunday morning this time to break it all down. Grant, I got to say, was at the game last night, uh, 6 o'clock kickoff. And I've said before in this podcast that I'm kind of numb to a lot of the game day atmosphere and the feelings inside stadiums. And so last night just felt like, to me, another evening kickoff. And it just felt like a game at Norman. But looking at some... Uh, news stories and some comments from people that were there and uh, I know the TV broadcast it seems like uh, people were pretty excited and and, uh, impressed with the atmosphere and and everything there and I think more about it it was a great start to the game and watching it back on TV a little bit this morning here uh, for the first time it sounded really good on television especially early on on that first series where Oklahoma got uh, Iowa State three and out that was exclamation pointed or capped makes more sense with the billy bowman interception it was loud it was exciting and ou fans showed up last night and so you know what pretty happy with that other parts of the game were not so great but overall a good win for the sooners an evening ago yeah i was uh i was kind of curious what your thoughts were on the atmosphere i don't know if it was just like the YouTube TV feed or whatever, but the the audio on my was just off the entire night, and so the crowd just didn't come through like really at all when I was watching it. So I don't I don't know if that was just a my problem thing or or what or it, it sounded like it was a Fox Sports thing um, when I was doing it, but who knows? Uh, but yeah, overall, I think um, not at all. I, I think, you know, if you would have said before the game that OU was going to win by 30 points, everybody would have been ecstatic about that. It definitely did not go how I anticipated it to go, and I don't think anyone really saw the game playing out in that way. Um, but also, I mean, there was there was some things that you can point towards that give you some pause that you're kind of scared of going into next week. Uh, but also, there's some signs of life there to where um, it's just kind of nice that they slammed the door when it could have spiraled out of control and they made sure that didn't happen. And that was just, that was kind of refreshing to see and, and rewatching it. I, my, my main takeaway is one, you know, Hey, I not, I'm not happy with the run defense at all. Um, just it, they just didn't do a very good job uh, f- for large portions of the game. And then, uh, man, I just, I really wish they wouldn't have allowed those two long touchdown passes uh, because they were, they were weird plays. And honestly, I, I've I've rewatched both of them so many times. Both of them should have been interceptions. Um, I I know we'll get into it. I just I have no idea what Key Lawrence and Billy Bowman respectively were doing on both of those plays. No clue whatsoever. They went to a place where the ball was never going to be, and they were it, whatever. They they were it it made those two passes made the defensive performance look way worse than it probably really was, and it just shouldn't have happened. They were two very weird plays that it looked like both of them just sort of glitched out when they absolutely could not do it. Yeah, I would say it picks up 118 yards on those two touchdowns, the only two touchdowns of the game, and two explosive plays that Oklahoma just has not been giving up this year. On third down. Uh, very, and both on third down. Yeah, one third and long, which Oklahoma's been very good in general on third down. The other one, third down and two. Uh, so yeah, we'll get into that stuff. We'll get into those plays. I, I'll start with this. Going into the game last night, I was telling people, and I may have said this on—I don't think I said this on the show. In my mind, I, we were going to get a pretty good idea of how I think we all should feel about the Sooners this upcoming week against Texas by what we saw last night. Meaning, if Oklahoma would come out and look really good, like they took it very seriously, didn't necessarily overlook Iowa State, played really well that this, you know, this is a serious football team, I'd have said, man, we should all feel pretty darn good about what's going to happen in Dallas this upcoming week. Uh, what, what happened was Oklahoma comes out very prepared, looks great in the first series, and then some head-scratching cra- head stuff defensively. Offensively, a lot, of, a lot of good, except for the run game, which, of course, once again, we're going to be talking about. And then after halftime, something that was a big key going into the season that I brought up a lot and a lot, I'm sure a lot of people did going into the season is can they play a full game, a full four quarters, and especially after halftime because after halftime last year, Oklahoma, a lot of the times and their losses was not good 
after halftime last night, shutout. Defense figured it out. Offense, you know, complimentary football. Boom, going away, 30-point win. So I leave the game thinking, well, there's not a set feeling of like, you know what? I feel great about Oklahoma going up against Texas because of the way they play. But at the same time, though, the way they finished and how seriously they took it after halftime certainly makes me think like, okay, like, yes, we saw some of the worst defense of the, out of this team against probably eh, next to Arkansas State, the worst offense they faced this year. I mean, that's a bad offense. And the, the, the success Iowa State had, had on the ground is alarming. That's not good. Averaging over five and a half yards per carry. But the way they ended it, like you said, it, it gives you kind of like, okay, you know what? Okay, that's good. And Oklahoma's going to be an underdog as we go through this podcast. I'll look up what the what the number is. I'm going to guess that. I'm going to guess OU's probably going to be a five six point dog. Let's do you know it already to, to Texas. I don't know. My guess. My I was going to guess three and a half. Three and a half. Okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm a little high, but uh, so like it was good and then bad. But yeah, I mean. Couple of big plays there, uh, and let's start with the defense because that was after halftime. The defense played really well, but those two big touchdown. Actually, you know, let's start with the good. I mean, come out, look fantastic for the first three snaps. Billy Bowman pick six, places going nuts, thinking, okay, this is exactly what they should be doing against this bad Iowa State team. I think I said on the podcast, like they need to turn over Beck a couple of times. They did. They got two picks off Beck. Uh, guy throws it up there, and everything's great. So, I mean, Billy Bowman, great job there. I, I don't know. I mean, great return, great start to yeah, the he game. Looked, he uh, looked dynamic on the return. Like, he was a playmaker with the ball in his hands, which I, I, think, I think we've all been sort of waiting to see that from Billy Bowman since last season. He was actually given an opportunity to show off kind of his skill set in that way, and he did. I mean, that was – he picked it off, and, I, like, my favorite part about it is that as soon as the ball was in his hands, you could tell he was like, yeah, I'm going to score. I, this, is, this is what I'm trying to do right now. And – uh he did. Scored actually pretty easily. Which, I, mean, I suppose that's the bit, right? Because last season, he, they had him back returning kickoffs and stuff. And that's kind of like he got banged up early in the year. He got injured on a kickoff. And then he kind of wasn't the same really up until the latter part of the season. So, yeah, we know he's got it in him. He was really good at that in high school. Great returner. Uh, by the way, I'm looking at, just real quick as we're bringing it up, I'm seeing opening line. Uh, I'm not sure when this opened because sometimes, like, this might be like a summer line, but I'm seeing five and a half Texas. But as of now, I'm seeing as high as you can get the you can get OU at plus seven in some books right now. So the line's anywhere from five and a half to seven right now. OU in Texas, Texas, not surprisingly, the favorite. Yeah, and honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if if Vegas has Texas as their number one team in the country. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, so, yeah, the, the start was great. Uh, but then you go into, you know, it's 7-0. Oklahoma's offense still hasn't seen the field. Oklahoma's defense, they kind of they give up a, a long run, a scramble by Beck to get the first down. But then they, you know, they kind of figure it out a little bit. Yeah, they give up a bad run play, too, uh, which kind of set the tone for, the, for the, the run defense the rest of the night. But Oklahoma still is able to get Iowa State into third and long on its second series. Like, okay, you know what, they're figuring it out. And then comes the first touchdown, the long touchdown pass that, uh, scored by Noel and so I I don't agree with you that they both should have been interceptions I, I don't think the the first one should have been a pick uh, the second one more so than the others I, I think it was it's a classic example it's an example of how I, th I thought this it was an example of how the old OU DB play of the past may have actually helped in that situation and what I mean by that is how many times did I complain about OU safeties corners you, you name it secondary players not having seemingly any interest in intercepting passes and all they wanted to do was just look at look at the, the pass catchers not at the ball not at the quarterback and just go for that big old hit big hit yeah crunch like even though there was many a times when the larry and turner yell buki pat feet like these guys if they were watching the quarterback's eyes the ball would the the play would be taken right to them they could make an interception but they were all always looking at the player instead trying to make a hit. And so that actually would have probably helped in that scenario because obviously Key was watching the eyes of the quarterback and he kind of just lacked spatial awareness on the play. And as a former high school free safety, let me tell you, I can sympathize with what he saw. 
he was looking at the ball. It was coming across, and he just misread it. But at the same time, that can't happen. Obviously, that can't happen. Yeah, I, I, I and, think you're being way too yeah. gracious. That was awful by Key Lawrence. That was hideously awful. Should not have happened. A total blow-up glitch. That should well, not you, have You know how that happens, though, right? You know how that happens. You're, Honestly, no. You're doing your job. It, it, it did not look like he even knew there was a receiver there. That's the thing. You're reading the quarterback. He's playing center field. His eyes are taking him to the ball. And in his mind, all he's seeing is like, oh, there's the ball. He's not even seeing the receiver. And so he's just going to intercept the pass. And the receiver happened to be in front of him. That's what happens there. And it's Yeah, just and I'm a, telling you, example. that's awful. That was just bad. That's bad. That's bad safety play. Yeah, no, like it's, it's not great. But I'm, I'm telling you, though, is that, again, at a, very, at a much lower level, I've been there. I know exactly what he was seeing. So I get it. Uh, should it happen? No. But it did. So I kind of get it. And they took him out the next series. They brought Reggie Pearson back in. By the way, Reggie Pearson, good to go, apparently. And from what I saw, he looked like he was pretty good, especially in run support. <laughs> so that I and even if he would have done that correctly, I don't think he would have picked that ball off. At best, he'd have been able to break up the play uh, because the, the receiver. No, the, the, had a, had the a good, point. The point is that their defense defended it well. And Key Lawrence was the only one who didn't do his job on the play. Screwed it up. Yeah, no, like it. You got to do better. And they took him out. They benched him for a series after that. And he'll tell you that. So it's, it's, it's just not good. It's a, it's a deep, deep post. And you're like, come on. Especially after four games where they have not given up big plays. And so that'll certainly be something that they'll get targeted. I mean, Texas is going to see stuff like that. Uh, they, Iowa State used a lot of sending receivers across the field behind the line of scrimmage and kind of getting guys moving and running, which is smart. I mean, it's good offense. I mean, everybody should be doing that. It's hard to defend. So you saw some, some things there that Oklahoma could be exploited on. But you got to give credit to the offense, though. The offense played pretty darn well against a, what statistically has been a really good Iowa State team. Granted, they had not been tested at all before last night. Oklahoma by far the best offense, and it showed. I mean, it was one of the, it's the best game Oklahoma's had against Iowa State. Yardage-wise, I think even points-wise, I mean, better than anything Lincoln Riley. Actually, that's not true. Lincoln Riley technically... 2015 was the offensive coordinator. I think that was the last time Oklahoma had like 50 something points. Yeah, that Iowa wasn't State. It was back in 2015. That wasn't John Haycock though. That wasn't the Iowa State that we know now. Oh, yes, so, yeah, that's true. Um Yeah, no, I I I don't know how you how you can't come out of that that game and not be happy with the offense. I you have to be happy with the offense. They were really good. Really good. Dylan Gabriel was great in this game. Um still some glitches, still some some stuff that he left on the field for sure. But, man, I, the stuff that he is getting, his play is elevated in that regard. He's, the stuff that he is hitting on, he's, he's hitting on stuff at a higher rate this year. Um, there's, he's just the one area where he has really improved this year is in the mid-range on, on the money downs, on the, third, on the third downs. It's clear that they worked on that stuff and that they knew that they needed to be better there. And that's where I'm really happy with his, his development so far this year, is, is in regards to that. It does not feel like third and fourth down is just a, is, is, you know, is lost now. It doesn't feel like that's the case. In fact, you feel like you have a pretty good chance on, on those money downs, because they've been really good on those money downs in four of the five games. Um, as far as, you know, Iowa State's, I, I don't really think Iowa State's defense is that good this year. Um, their secondary outside of TJ Tampa is not good. They, and they're like, their back seven is just, is pretty meh to me. And so I, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure they'll still kind of do their, their Iowa state thing and they'll make teams earn it and they'll have some really good games here or there. But in, in terms of kind of what they've thrown out the last five or six years, this is, this is their worst defense that they've had, I, I think since 2017 or so probably for Iowa state. Oh yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, you know, they Dylan Gabriel. I mean, he, yes, he, he had a great game. He had a great game. He he counted for five total touchdowns, three passing, two rushing. Um, made made a lot of, and you know what? Made good decisions in the keep game this week, which was, in fact, that was a huge part of 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 extending drives in this game. Um, there was, I think, there were there were three different occasions where it was third or fourth down and he made he just he made the right keep read and he just had a ton of space to maneuver and that's not even that's not even counting his like I'll be, I'll be honest with you his touchdown run the his first touchdown of the game was awesome him running over that linebacker was cool 
Yeah, that was good stuff. Uh, I know we were kind of talking about the defense. We'll, we'll keep it there, and then we'll go back to the offense real quick because I just want to get all the – I like keeping it set, defense, offense, so on and so forth. Uh, run defense. Uh, you, know, you know, we kind of mentioned it. Iowa State averaged over five and a half yards per carry. Uh, it was mostly a first half thing. After the second half, obviously everything was good. I looked at the game notes. I think OU only allowed – like I think they allowed less than three yards per play after halftime. Good. Great. Terrific. Like 2.8. Great. 2.8. Uh, overall for the game, OU gave up five and a half yards per play. That's really good against Texas. That's really good against Cincinnati. That's good against uh, SMU. Not great against Iowa State. You got to be better than that, which the fact that I even say that with an Oklahoma defense because they've raised, you know, raised the bar so much, that's actually pretty cool because in the past, like Alex Grinch defense is giving up less than six yards per play against Iowa State. would have been like, this is great. They played, they played really well. <laughs> uh, five and a half. Uh, in the last handful of years or more that's Oklahoma does that on defense every single day you take that but the way the standards been set this year uh you want better and they did a lot better after halftime and I guess I just it looked like Iowa State was out leveraging OU in the first half in the run game I their offensive line's not that bad they had a lot of good I think good run they're just outnumbering them it seemed like on the edge getting it and Oklahoma's linebackers didn't really seem to show up I mean I, I was re-watching a little bit of the first quarter and a half and i didn't see a whole lot of danny stutzman uh didn't see a whole lot of jaron canick and there you go <laughs> as both of them that was their quietest game i thought for both of them and uh yeah i, I thought the, the the front seven at times left left some things really to be desired in this game but i yeah i mean if you want to look at it half glass full there you go there's something to work on and and again after the game was 21 to 20 after like after iowa state scored to make it 21 to 20 that OU said, no, nope, that's enough, and they completely shut the door. And that was, that was nice to see. Like, I, I think I said, you know, after, after Iowa State kicked that field goal up 21-20, to 20, they had three consecutive three and outs, and, and in those three consecutive three and outs, OU scored 26 points, outscored them 26 to nothing. Game over. And the game was over at that point. Great point. And, I mean, good teams can do stuff like that, even after having some wishy-washy moments uh just to uh, put a bow on it i got the numbers in front of me um 82 total 82 total yards by iowa state's offense after halftime uh this is the game notes uh, two, it says 2.9 yards per play uh and obviously no points after halftime i mean shut out after halftime i mean the fact that oklahoma has allowed the most points this year to iowa state's that's i don't like that seeing that in the box score because that's, again, that's a bad Iowa State offense. Granted, I guess they figured something out last week against Oklahoma State. Granted, Oklahoma State's not good. Uh, they put up a lot of points against the, the Cowboys. And so, I mean, take a, I mean, you can't take it away because it happened, the two long touchdowns. I mean, that was 33% of Iowa State's offense last night, the two touchdowns. But they did happen, and they count. And that's not good. So you can't, can't let that happen. Uh, let's see. Oh, I wanted to mention this real quick. Uh, Gentry Williams is, is really good. He's playing very well. Uh, Jumped off the screen early on in that game. Um, I, I even though he's not he's not like a you know super long six two six three, which I guess there's not many corners that are, but he does look like he's a big corner. He's like I think he's listed at about six foot, but maybe it's just because all the you know recently and even Woody Washington, you know is is not that big about five ten five eleven. Obviously Trey Brown was not not that big of a guy. Uh, he just he looks like one of the bigger corners they've had in quite some time, and he's playing some good football against the pass and against the run. That that's where I'm saying to you that. Yeah, no, that's that's where I'm fired up the most is how good he is physically getting off of blocks and making tackles. Uh, that's that's just something I don't really feel like we've seen a whole lot of. And yeah, through five games, uh, Gentry Williams is their best corner. And that's that's not even necessarily that's not a shot at Woody or anything who has been really solid this year. But yeah, G Gentry Williams just I think has been just as steady, just as solid but also brings kind of a playmaking ability as well that I don't know. I don't know if Woody has. Yeah, it's you look at Gentry out there and his athleticism. It definitely makes Woody look a lot more limited athletically. And that's not to say he's, he's not an athletic player. He obviously is. He's a, he's a been a what a three three year starter, for maybe even a four, whatever it is at OU, and he's a good player. Uh, but Gentry just kind of takes it up a next another level. Uh, they're continuing to give. I know uh, Kenai Walker didn't play last night, and they're continuing to give snaps to Makari Vickers. And uh, I, I always blank on who's the the freshman that plays as well. I, I can't. Josiah Wagner. Wagner. Sorry. Yes. Thank you. He didn't play as much. I saw Vickers out there. Played a little bit. 
Um, but then I, I mean, I saw a lot of Kendall Dolby again, and he's been he's Dolby, been solid. Yep. Wish he wouldn't have whiffed on that on that blitz off the corner, but I mean, have have, yeah, have I mean, has OU ever completed a play like that? Yeah, where it's like I'm, they probably I'm have sure they year. have, but man, that just seems like it's as soon as you have like a corner defensive back coming unblocked off the edge with a ton of speed of the quarterback. I just I feel like it's it's always they always break contain they always miss it and they all like how do you get better at that like is it like does he as when he gets closer does he need to break down and be a little bit more and like not try to just blow this guy up I, like yeah I, I think just, it's that and I mean potentially maybe you have to attack that from an outside in perspective to where if he has to make a move he has to go inside to where it's closer to your help maybe that's the solution there to where instead of him going away, but then again, if he goes away, then you know, he's going farther away from the play, which that's not terrible, but uh, gives him a chance to escape. So yeah, it's just, it's, I mean, Beck's a, a football player too. I mean, he, and he's not a statue. I mean, the guy can move a little bit, but yeah, you're, I mean, stuff like and, that, you got to make I'm, those plays. Cause yeah, I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking towards next week and you know, I mean, Venables is, is going to have some weird crap to throw at Texas. That is going to confuse them. OU is going to have free rushers next week, eventually, at some point in time. Just, just of stuff that they've drawn up and that they've worked on specifically for Texas. And now, I mean, watching Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers can clearly escape and run. I mean, this is two straight games. He's got 30-plus he's got yard touchdown runs. And so I'm just like, when you have Quinn Ewers like that kind of dead to rights next week, you cannot let him get outside like that. You just cannot. You have to complete those plays. I suppose before we move on to the offense, I you know, we talked about Key's bad miss on the touchdown. I guess we gotta talk about Billy. Uh I, I thought Billy's was was much worse than Key's uh because it was a it was a shorter pass and it was only third and two. And I like his and by the way, that was Higgins. Who I mean, I guess their two best receivers, Nolan Higgins. That that's who did it. Uh, so I mean, at least it's their two best guys. But whatever, that still shouldn't have happened. Um, I thought the angle by Billy was was really bad. Like, and I I have a difficult time explaining it because it's. And I'm, I'll try. I, I, he like went wide and around, which is not doesn't probably doesn't help. Doesn't make sense. I mean, obviously you all saw it, so you you you, you know what I'm trying to t- trying to say. Like as opposed to a sharp, like put your foot in the ground and go direct, like straightest, you know the the fastest uh, distance to the, the thing is, is a straight line. And it like was that bizarre. would have taken him like to the football and to contact. And I thought he had a much better chance of picking that off than Key did because again, it was a shorter play, third and two. You, you're not they're not going deep down the field, and that's just him. And he was reading the quarterback's eyes. You got you got to cut that off inside, and at the worst, you break it up. That was a weird, weird play especially after the guy had a pick six earlier uh and i i bet i don't know I, i'd be curious to see what his thoughts i'm sure he probably was asked about it after the game uh, i didn't see any post game sound to be honest with you but uh i'm sure he's probably kicking himself and saying what the heck was i doing there that was bad yeah it was just bizarre it looked weird i kept watching it over and over again and for the life of me i have no idea where he's going when that ball is like he, like he rounded it you know, yeah like, like they, they say like receivers shouldn't round their routes so you got to take a quick sharp cut out like it's like that he like he rounded his route to the ball which is terrible it was weird and i just it makes it even more frustrating is that it the kind of the way that they they defended the play it looks like that they were expecting exactly that play from iowa state and like it was there i mean billy was even like facing the guy like trying to bracket him and for whatever reason it just glitched out i so you hope it's like one of you you really do hope it's just a total fluke both of them the key play and the Billy play are just total flukes. But I think there's, I mean, I just, I'm so, I have so much PTSD from doing that exact same thing. Like, uh, you know, throughout the years watching OU's events, oh, you know what, that other team just made a really nice play. Nobody ever makes any of those plays. They only make it against OU. Uh, that was a glitch. That was just a bust. They'll correct it. And they never actually do. So, like, it's, so I, I still have PTSD from that. And so, like, I, from this point on, right, I think those that probably should be, Something that gives people pause, like, okay, we saw those glitches, and precedent says that those things are going to show up again. Well, at least, though, that's what we saw last night has been an outlier 
compared to what we see, saw the first four games of the year. So at least we have something like that to hang sure. our hat on. Sure. That's good. And then it's, you know, yeah, you can still lean on, hey, after it was 21 to 20, they like they did. Their, the defense did not, did not fall apart. They put themselves back together, and they, they did not let them score the rest of the game, which is something that you can absolutely be encouraged about. So they're going to just... It's, it's hard to even describe how much bigger the test is next week. It's just they, it's, they're going to have to be a lot sharper. Yep, no doubt about it. You better believe that Sark is going to see uh, all the film, and he is going to find ways to try to isolate Key Lawrence in coverage. That will be something that, if I'm Sark, I do. Uh, Key, well, that's, not, that's not his strength, which that's... Again, like he's a safety. You'd hope he'd be pretty good in coverage. He ain't great. Uh, so that's, that's what Sark does best. He's able to get the ball into his playmaker's hands in, in advantageous situations. So it's going to be, a, yeah, they have their work cut out for him, but we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. Yeah, and I'm curious because um, Jatavian Sanders got hurt against Kansas. So um, I, he, was, he was in street clothes in the second half of that game. So I'm curious if Jatavian Sanders does not play on Saturday, that I, that is that is great for OU's odds to win the game. Jatavian Sanders wow. is, I, I think, is probably Texas's best offensive player. Uh, so that would be, I mean, that would be huge. Um, and he's like, you know, Ad Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, Jatavian Sanders. That's the best trio of pass catchers in college football. And if you take one of them away, I, I really do think that is a that that'd be a pretty big blow for Texas. So monitor that this week, big time. Let's flip the script over to the offense. We talked about Dylan Gabriel a little bit earlier. Well, we can pick it up. Let's, let's hit on a couple, couple plays in the first, first half. How about the first, uh, first touchdown pass of the game? Nick Anderson, deep shot, deep post. Uh, Dylan put it right on him. Uh, very interesting, I guess, play design. Like I'm sure you probably saw this too when you watched it back. You probably saw it on on the copy is watch it live like Drake Stoops his route his over route caught the eye of the corner who was playing a deep third that it appeared he was playing a deep third <clears throat> and so uh the middle safety it was bad because the middle safety was trailing Stoops so that basically put two guys on Drake Stoops and allowed Nick Anderson total emptiness in the middle of the field and Dylan obviously hit him and hit him in stride for a touchdown uh, good to see you know, nice shot plays like that working and going on. I, I guess good play design, but it also could have just been bad defense on the backside, or the back end by Iowa State. But either way, you got to love those explosive plays. Touchdowns, Grant, and I know how much you love when OU bombs away. No, absolutely. And, I, like, and I'm, I'm probably wrong about this, but that touchdown pass, that kind of felt like the first one of the Dylan Gabriel era where it was like guy is wide open, ball caught in the end zone, no one anywhere around him actually hits him in stride. And looks and it's just like an easy pitch and catch, like I feel like that just really hasn't happened too often in the in the Dylan Gabriel era, where it's like, yep, guy is open and I actually hit him. He doesn't have to like slow up for it. Hits him in stride, mm. wide open in the end zone, seven points, six points, whatever. I'm sure he's had other. I mean, one of the his best touchdowns still to this day was that touchdown pass last year to Farouk against Nebraska in the corner. That was one. Maybe still be one of his best touchdown passes, where he just hit him perfectly over the shoulder. Uh, so yeah, good to see that. Uh, let's see. Uh, how about Brennan Thompson getting in the action for the first time this year? Deep shot. Uh, like we were talking about this before the podcast, it worked for OU, <laughs> but uh, Dylan threw it late. Uh, that if he throws it earlier, maybe it's a touchdown. Brennan had both guys beat, but the fact that the ball got there late ended up benefiting OU because he came back for it and the DBs didn't know where the ball was boom 54 yards yeah no I mean it was it's good to see I I mean I didn't expect I did not expect Brendan Thompson to be a thing this year whatsoever so just I mean throw another guy out there who is who's capable of uh of hurting you I suppose he did look really fast like I'll I'll give you that I mean he 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 looked like and it's hard to say because they got some guys who can really run in that receiver room but yeah, he he looked like the fastest straight line guy that they got there. I mean, he he cooked those guys. I mean, it was he was very open. That they got a lot of speed, that, man. Yeah, they I mean, a lot that should. Yeah, it's this this game just kind of confirmed it for me again. Their receiver room is awesome. 
it's really good. It's this is the best receiver room they've had since. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know if I can throw a, a number out like a, a year out there. It is definitely since since 2018 when when Brown and Lamb were were in the same room. This is deeper though. They got they got dudes. Um, I and then you know you know Andrew Anthony was quiet, but I you know that had everything to do with TJ Tampa. You know from from what I saw, uh, TJ Tampa took a too, touchdown yeah. away from Andrew Anthony with just a with an NFL play. Yeah, no, that's what I thought. Thought uh, that's what I saw as well. Sorry, uh, Andrew has a catch early on in the game. I think the first series for OU's offense, he catches first play yards. That's it. That that's it. That's all he does. And I I saw it was Tampa on him. I was like, oh, that's probably look at the box score. One catch for sixteen yards. Like, well, that's why because TJ Tampa is really good. And you know what? It's they didn't go after him much. And you know what's smart? You have plenty of other guys to throw it to. Why why pick on their best defensive back? A guy that's going to be in the NFL. Yeah, like, absolutely. Oklahoma don't, State game exactly. In, Alan Bowman the game ends last week because he's throwing towards TJ Tampa. Uh, it's just like. Maybe because, obviously, Oklahoma State does not have as many good players. So it's like, oh, TJ Tampa is probably going against their best receiver. I got to go to the like, But Oklahoma's got plenty of options. So, and it worked out. I mean, Jaleel Farouk leads the team, 5 for 81. Uh, you mentioned, we mentioned Thompson. Nick Anderson had a couple of catches, both on the same series. Uh, and then also you got to throw in. I mean, Drake Stoops had a touchdown. Jaden Gibson, though, maybe the play of the night. His touchdown catch was awesome. Oh, awesome. I said that was the – it was awesome. I, I texted you and Brady, and I said – that's the best offensive play of the Venables era so far. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was fourth down. It was protected so well. Gabriel had all day to throw. It was just like one of those things where both defense or both defense and offense played it really well to a stalemate right there at the very end. And then Dylan Gabriel kind of kind of conducts Jaden Gibson to go a little bit more upfield. And then he throws a perfect pass, layers it perfectly over the linebacker who is just kind of sitting there playing zone coverage or trying to trail Jaden Gibson. Gibson makes a great catch, holds on after in taking traffic. a hit. Yep. Was in traffic. And then he just says, get off me. And he, I was, that was the most excited for an offensive play I have been in the last two years of OU football. That made me stand up and jump up and down. I was fired up watching that. Wasn't just you, the entire. I mean, the crowd. That was because we all knew what we saw. I mean, that was that was that was a great individual play. But and granted, not just individual because it was a it was a really nice throw by by Dylan. And kudos to you for also uh, giving props to the offensive line because you're right. There was great protection on fourth down. Plenty of time to just sit there and pat the ball in the pocket. And as like, I know, this is kind of a, a cliche at this point. As bad as the run game has been, the Oklahoma can block, can pass block. They, they give guys time, and Dylan Gabriel looks very comfortable back there. And why wouldn't he be? He's got plenty of time a lot of the times. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Jaden Gibson, play of the night, fantastic. Uh, I mean, that's even, even uh, you know, more exciting play than the pick six to start the game. I mean, that was – especially the time it happened. Uh, I mean, OU was winning the game, but, you know, fourth down, like they're going for it, like, boom. Like, Iowa State gets off the field there. Maybe they have a little bit of hope, but nope. Dylan, offensive line, Gibson, they're like, nope, here we go. Boom, touchdown. Awesome. I mean that's 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 why I loved it because that was the play that effectively ended the game. It was done. That put them up by 27 after the extra point. And that I mean that was it at that point in time. Um and so that's that's why I just loved it. That was OU like basically completing their evisceration of Iowa State after they cut it to one point, you know, a one point game with 7 minutes to go in the second quarter. I mean that's that's what it was. And so what just a nice little bow put on that run by OU, and I, that made me really happy. And just looking forward to next week, man. If OU is going to win that game, it's going to be because of their wide receivers. Unleash your receivers. They like I'm, man. Give me that ten personnel. Give me give me Anderson, Anthony, Farouk, and Gibson on the field at the same time, please. I'm just I'm begging you to do that. And why do you say all that? Because once again, another. Really subpar performance in the run game. And Marcus Major leads the team in carries again. He's the guy, uh, 19 for 66, three and a half yards per carry. And he looked really good at the start of the game. Uh, good vision. Again, his shoulders squared to the line going straight. And it just Oklahoma cannot keep it consistent. Uh, and after the game, we find out Javante Barnes, 
still banged up. He's injured. And Preventables was talking. He's like, it's funky. Like, I don't. It's referenced the the surgery. So Barnes isn't healthy, even though in fall camp it was. Oh yeah, I had a surgery. Like now I'm good. Okay, that's why he hasn't been playing. So it's almost kind of like I don't know. Like, is he gonna be healthy? And even if he is healthy, like, does it matter? Because he hasn't been that good anyways. So it's almost kind of like maybe scratch him off the list. And are any of these freshmen going to maybe get his his carries? But also, Tommy Walker has played well. He only gets four carries last night. Four for 17. Saw a little bit more Gavin Sawchuk. And he just does not look like, look, does not look like the same player we saw in that bowl game last season. It just, yeah, it's weird. He just like, he even looks smaller than he did in the Cheez-It Bowl last year. Yeah. At the same time, though, I kind of would love, and granted, he's not doing a lot with his carries, so he's not earning it, but I kind of just would like to see him get the 19 carries just to see what would happen. Like, he's not being able to get into the flow of the game. Granted, whenever you're not getting carries and you're, at, you're below on the depth chart, you need to do more with your carries that you get to give people a reason like, oh, yeah, let's give him more. Granted, Tommy Walker technically has done a decent amount with his carries, but it hasn't really mattered that much. They're not giving him that many. Like they're giving more to Marcus Major, so I. It, but all of them are not performing very particularly well, and it. It's almost like Dylan Gabriel notices it. He's he's keeping the ball more. He's running himself. He's almost like I got to do this myself, <laughs> you know, a lot of the time. So I like obviously you know I, I want them to run the ball better, but I I'll push back on you a little bit. I thought that was probably their best game running the ball this year. It just it seemed like it. That was the game where it bogged down the least amount to me. Um, I, I thought they did what they needed to do in the running game. Like when they were, they, and, and they did get stuffed every now and then, but this, with the way, with the receivers that they have and the way that Dylan Gabriel is, is playing right now, they really do only need to get three yards here, here and there. That is really all they need right now. And if they can bust seven or eight yards, that's great. Um, maybe that, maybe that'll open up more later in the season as they get more run as they get. And I know it's like, we're, we're coming up as the game of the year right now. And you, you would hope that they were running the ball better, but it's, that's just not what they are this year. It's, it's not, I, and I, I, I thought they did a pretty decent job running the ball for the most part, especially against a, an Iowa state defense where I, that, that's, that is the strength of their defense. And, um, I just, I, I, I thought they ran it better last night than they did against Cincinnati the you know the week before which makes me happy and you know hey I'm I'm doing work on myself here I'm just I've already accepted Marcus Major is is the guy he's going to get the most carries this season that's just how that's just how it's going to be that's just what it is and uh I just hope that disaster doesn't strike essentially I like I'm happy get get three yards here or there and I'm happy with it and then throw the ball to your to your awesome receivers that's the offense this year. 18 yards is his longest carry. It's just that it, teams know they can't really run the ball, which is which is weird, but like they know OU's going to because that's that's Jeff Levy's offense. That's part of that's a huge part of the offense. And it's they always run the ball a lot more than they pass it. It's just when they know the the passing game is so good and the receivers are so good, you would hope that that would open it up more for the running game, but it just really hasn't. And sure, yeah, they they were able to stay on schedule last night. It's because they don't that's what they need to get in and they need to get take the tight end off the field that that's when it will open up for the run game you spread those guys out get a much lighter box that's where they'll they'll have to start making decisions yeah interesting yeah i did see a lot of austin stogner again by the way his one catch near the sideline great throw by dylan gabriel early in the game that was a really nice throw by by dylan but yeah stogner's been out there getting a ton of ton of snaps again and that's just kind of what they that's what they are that they've decided that's something they want to do. I don't really get it, but they're five and zero, oh and the offense looks really good. So I suppose what the, what the heck do I know? Uh, which actually that's a good point. What I don't know anything. <laughs> I think it's been established. Anything else on the offense that you want to hit on before we get to the three word reviews? No, I'm kind of um, trying to think of other things. I'm annoyed that that guy grabbed Jalil Farouk's leg. That should have just been a walk in touchdown. Um. I think OU scored on that anyway, but it's still, I mean, I, Farouk deserved, uh, deserved a touchdown on that play because it, did you see the route on that? That was an out and up, that route. I'm, uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm totally blanking on what, what play you've been talking about. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. It's the bomb the, the down to more, Farouk. They called, they called DPI on the guy. Farouk caught oh, it, he backed oh, it, and he yeah, was taken yeah, down yeah, at yeah. the one-yard line. Okay, yep. Okay, now, yeah. 
Uh, it's funny. I, I was watching the game with Brady. Brady was convinced they was going to be they're going to call OPI on that. I was like, Brady, no, the guy, the guy pulled him down. It's defensive, man. Like I was, here. I was scared. It took them forever to to read what the penalty was. Yeah. I mean, I just kind of sure. I guess it's just pretty pretty obvious it was defensive. That was one of the funny um, things that that came through on TV was that like you heard the roar right when Farouk caught it, but as soon as the little flag marker came out onto like the little score bug, it got so quiet in there. It did. And I was like, I was like, I was like, every OU fan in this building expects that to be OPI. Like that's what that was. As well, soon as everyone saw the flag, they're like, oh, that's coming back. Let's go to three word reviews. West of Everest Facebook page. Go to longtime listener Harry. Saw Harry yesterday at the tailgate. Good to see you, Harry. Harry says, bring on Texas. Philip, longtime listener as well. Philip says, I am nervous. All caps. Uh, Hunter, second half effort. Very good. And also, Hunter says, where's Tawi Walker? It's a fair question, man. They got, when Brent Vittables talks about how nobody's really separated themselves, technically, one guy kind of has statistically and also by eyeball test this year it's Tawi uh, but he just does, still doesn't get many carries he's their best option like I, I I truly believe that I think I think 10 personnel with Tawi as your running back is a is a really good personnel grouping and like Tawi him being so hard to tackle going up against a lighter box I, I think is just it's a no-brainer to me but what do I know Trey says handled our business Matt says, more pick sixes. I'll second that. Now, Steven, uh, Steven says, look ahead, start, question mark. I mean, they started so well on defense, though. I mean, they got a pick six, and it's like, okay, here we go. So uh, the last six years, I saw Brett McMurphy put this out, but this is not hard to find. You know, Oklahoma, the week before Texas, has like been three and three. I think either straight up or against the spread or something like that. And I was like looking back, I was like, gosh, they have they have lost some games before Texas. Um, they they actually have been bad, but they, they still covered last night. And I was telling you, uh, it's probably not going to happen. Sure enough, Oklahoma five and zero against the spread, even though that was twenty one to twenty at one point, and they were laying three touchdowns. So sure enough, the fact they were able to come back and right the ship and still cover, uh, yeah, I I don't know if they're really looking ahead. I I don't know if that's if that's a thing. Uh, because of just the way they started, they were so sharp in that first series, and the offense was really good. Uh, it's just a couple of really weird touchdowns they gave up, and also the run defense was bad. So, I guess credit to Iowa State, but also that can't happen. So I don't, I don't, I just don't know if they were looking ahead. I don't know if they were. Did you get the sense? Do you think they were looking ahead to Texas? I didn't think so. I didn't think so. I thought they had a lot of energy and they were they're ready to play. It was, you know, Iowa State was too. They were ready to play. And they came in with a lot of confidence after scoring a lot of points last week, for sure. Yeah, I don't think you can just, with how sharp the offense was, pretty much the entire game, I, I just, I, it's pretty obvious they weren't looking ahead. They were, the offense was really ready to play. Yeah, credit to OU for that. You know, I, I kind of figured that they, there, there would be a slow start and they would be looking ahead a little bit because that's just kind of what the history before this game, especially recently, has showed us. I'm Steven. not the first person to make this point, but I, I saw other people making it too. Lebby's a lot better against John Haycock than Lincoln Riley is. Clearly, clearly is ha, has a better feel for how to attack that defense. Because I thought, I thought OU attacked Iowa State pretty well last year in Ames and lost and left a lot on the field, and they they left much less on the field, you know, tonight or last night. And there you go, fifty burger. Yeah, maybe it's. I mean. You meant you said it yourself. I mean, this is one of the worst Iowa State Haycock defenses that they've had. I mean, who knows what Lincoln could have done against this? And I don't know. Last year was a weird game. Like you said, they left a lot out there. I don't know. I mean, that was an ugly game last season. I thought it was probably Iowa State's defense it was like, no, nah, we're, we're you got you kind of figured out because you guys run simple stuff. So I, I don't know if I would fully agree with that. Just based on competition. I mean, this is what this is. This is not a good Iowa State defense or relative to what they have been. But who knows? Maybe they'll write the ship and they'll play some better offenses this year and it'll look better. Who knows? I will say the 2019 game against Iowa State with Jalen Hurts, OU moved the ball at will in that game and they only st- Jalen Hurts was the only thing that stopped OU in that game. He turned it over a ton. That was some turnovers, yeah. Uh, more from Steven on the West of Ever's Facebook page says, can't run ball. And DG was dealing. DG playing very well. 
He was. I, we didn't even talk about the touchdown pass to Drake Stoops, which was a just a very small window. Very small window, which is just, yeah, it's, it's nice to see nice him. Throw. Really nice to see him make that throw. Interesting that Drake Stoops is like a, a red zone target. Like he's not a big dude, but DG really likes to throw to him. I mean, they got all these big tall guys, but he trusts them. Trust, I mean, and why wouldn't you? He's been around forever. There was a, um, gosh, I'm trying to think. I think it may have been on the, because we didn't bring this up. Uh, DG did miss Nick Anderson wide open in the end zone um, on, I think, I think it actually was the drive where he ended up throwing the touchdown pass to Drake Stoops. Um, but also on that play, it was hilarious. Also on that play, uh, he's got, he, he's, he's originally looking for Drake Stoops on the sideline cause he's just running an out. And right when Drake Stoops goes into his break, he cooks, he cooks the guy who is covering him and the guy falls down, just grabs his ankle and just pulls him down and, uh-huh. and it takes DG off of him and he goes, and he should have seen Nick Anderson, but, and it's just, but like stuff like that, Iowa State's DBs were holding and grabbing the entire night. And I'm glad on that. Ooh, I'm glad on that drive. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad on that drive that they they saw it and they threw a bunch of flags on that on all of them very obvious holds and PIs. Um, but they missed one there too, like maybe the most obvious one of the night. It's good to be on the other side of it though, where Oklahoma's DBs aren't the ones grabbing and tugging and pulling and looking like they're lost and like they they've never practiced before. That's pretty cool, except for whenever they're defending deep posts or uh, quick slant routes on third down last night uh shelly says happy and hopeful keeping it positive shelly's always keeping it positive and i appreciate that Rhonda also with a positive says good team win yeah uh, micah okay this is my i'm i'm stupid micah just has numbers he says one three four so i don't know what that means so uh, do you, uh, yeah. who's uh who's number one on the team Oh, maybe it's maybe it's the players like Jaden Gibson's Gibson. number one, right? Oh, Jalil Farouk and then Nick Anderson. Ah, oh, there you go. He's referencing you from last week. Get the ball to these certain guys. Ah, oh, hey, there we go, Micah. Great. I love it. And they had well, good games. Like, what is it? So one, three, four, and five. One, three, four, and five. Get them the ball. That's the game plan against Texas. Get them the ball. All of those guys touch it at least five times. All four of those guys, five touches apiece, at least. Great job, Mike. I see it goes way over my head, but you're a lot smarter than I am. And now we, you know, we talked it out, and great. And all three of those guys had good games. Uh, Jaden says, time for redemption, obviously referencing last year's ridiculous Texas game whenever, you know. But, you know, again, once we knew DG wasn't playing, nobody out there should have ever thought that Oklahoma was going to win that football game. So, granted, getting shut out is not great, but. It was never going to happen. But yeah, sure. It's, you can get some redemption. Uh, Barnes is MIA. We talked about him already a little bit. Still banged up, apparently. And longtime listener Shane has a few. Shane says, covered every game. Indeed. All, and follows that with, bet on Oklahoma? Question mark. I mean, yeah, I guess like grab the seven points if you can. I mean, OU's 5-0 and against the spread. So even if they don't win the game, I mean, they've been covering at least. So maybe they, they'll keep it within a touchdown against Texas. Uh, and also, lastly, Shane says defense makes adjustments. Yes. And again, I, I can't emphasize enough how how important and impressive it is that they did Oklahoma did what it did after halftime. Both sides of the football. Granted, the offense wasn't as flashy; didn't need to be. Uh, Jaden Gibson play happened after half after halftime, but defensively, pitching a shutout after halftime, after what happened last year, where second half of games was kind of the a, a cr- like it was not good for OU. They they lost games in the second half last year. Well that's how you lose games uh they're much better this season through five games after halftime and that's that's great i love that that's all from the west of ever's facebook page let me now go over to twitter i am at lee benson tweets see if you all have posted any there any three word reviews there's a few begin with dan dan says safeties gifts touchdowns yeah uh, and Dan notes, both touchdowns allowed this game were gratuitously given up by safeties over executing on the play. They both failed to do their job by going for the ball and potential interception instead of absolutely annihilating the receiver. Talked a little bit about that earlier. I mean, that's, that's you got to find that fine line. I mean, I'm as a I want my safeties being ball hawks, reading the quarterback's eyes and picking passes off. 
Uh, but at the same time, though, they can't give that up. So I think Dan's got a point. I mean, there's some times where you got to you, you always got to be aware where the receivers are. And if you're not going to get there, you got to make tackles. You got to make PBUs. And those two were not good. <laughs> Gonzo Strangelove memes it with the uh, that Drake meme where it has a picture of him kind of like looking disgusted with his hand up like, I don't like this. And it says OU's first half defense. And then it has a picture of Drake like pointing with a smile and says, OU's second half defense much better. So and to Gonzo's uh, credit, he says, forgive the meme. Michael says Sooners can cover. Corny Campbell decisions. Interesting. And just win, baby. Uh, Matt noticed Jaron Canick. Matt says Canick not himself. And the fact that Canick played after his injury last week is, is I guess, promising, but kind of invisible. Him and, him and Stutzman, uh, I, I would imagine, maybe their worst game of the year, especially combined. It makes me, it makes uh, me wonder if they were... If they did stuff in the run game, they had previously not even put on tape at all, and that they were just swimming the entire time and confused, which I mean in itself is not good, because they should no, just be able to, they should just be able to bow up guys just one on one and just say you guys aren't any good we are you're not going to run the ball anyway. Yeah, especially you see that they see the linebackers maybe play their worst game the week before they're going to play a a really smart offensive coach that's. That's a team that's looking, you know, as good as they've looked with Sarkeesian there. Uh, yeah, not not great going into that. Longtime listener Josh says offense found rhythm. Game ball Gabriel, I like that. That's a good one. Uh, outstanding defensive adjustments. And Josh has a note says that was big for this team and for this fan base last year. We don't stop them, and the score would have been fifty six to forty seven. I mean, you look at the Colorado USC game, and Josh has got a point. I mean, Colorado just kept scoring. I mean, obviously, USC still won the game, but it's just, yeah, maybe last season. Oh, he did say last season. I mean, last season, Venables was here. I guess I was thinking more of like an Alex Grinch-type defense. Maybe they keep scoring, but uh, who knows? <laughs> more from Dan. Dan says 50-6. to six. That should have been the score. <laughs> Taking away the two long touchdowns. Uh, at OU Unhinged says, get Nick involved. Halftime adjustments worked, and then his last one is Sawchuck, no juice. He's, you're right. Not, he hasn't had any so far, and it's really, really discouraging. Like, is, again, like, is he healthy? I know you've, you've kind of questioned that. He says he is. Doesn't look like it. Looks like a different player. Uh, ben says, hello, Jaden Gibson. He's good, man. Uh, Matt Moore uh, criticisms for key and billy he says safety eyes bad gave up two touchdowns because they were only reading the eyes and have no idea depth of route where the receiver is in relationship to the ball it's true and finally Corey says it's texas week so we talked about earlier yeah it's uh, the numbers anywhere from five and a half to seven wherever you know you can get it uh and oklahoma's gonna i mean they're, they're the underdogs and they're they should be the underdogs and you can Brady was talking to me about this last week or last night. And you can speak to this a lot better than me just because you've been more dialed in than me over the last couple of decades to be. I mean, definitely the last decade. Is this the first time? And I mean, I guess last year with Dylan Gabriel out like it was they were the underdogs deservedly. But going into an OU Texas game, is this the first time in a while that you can you can think like, yep, OU certainly is the underdog and Texas is a much better team right now than Oklahoma. Like when was the last time that happened? Um, 2009. Wow. And that was, I mean, I remember going into that game too. That was, that was Sam Bradford was coming back for that game. So a lot of OU fans thought, oh, you had a really good chance to win. As the game played out, they did have a really good chance to win that game. It was a, it was a fist fight the entire time. Yeah, I, uh, you're right. I, I don't know. I think Texas should be favored. I, I just like, I'm. Like, I hate it. This is a funky year of college football. Texas is the best team I've seen, which is just so stupid. That, that pisses me off. Pretty impressive game. I mean, I, I was able to watch a decent amount of the KU game. I mean, Texas never really... I mean, I know it was kind of close, 13-7 to seven at one point. Final score it was like a fluky 13-7. It's fluky. The one touchdown, yeah, touchdown Kansas scored <laughs> whenever Bean got hit, and it was like a... It was like a, an option pitch on the fumble. Like 
Kansas had a lucky touchdown like that and still uh, got the doors beat off of them. I mean, Texas I am, is playing some really good football. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious how much Jalen Daniels getting hurt in warmups just totally sunk KU. Um, it was just like, and then they had to throw out like their entire game plan or something hmm. like that. KU on offense looked hideous against Texas. Looked awful. Texas absolutely eviscerated them, dominated them. It was, and like I, like Jason, like Jason Beam, man, is not a bad college football player. He looked awful against Texas. He looked absolutely terrible. And I, I think that probably has more to do with Texas's defense just being really good. I, I saw, I, I saw Jason Beam make a ton of really nice throws last season against OU, against other teams. Guy's capable, and he could not do anything against that Texas defense. Yeah, don't love that. Don't love that because yeah, I agree. Jason there were, Bain is a good player. One thing I will say though, there were at times open guys behind the secondary that that Kansas had that Beam was just not able to hit. He hit him once. They had um, they 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 had another touchdown I think where it was just like a long touchdown. Or wait, did I? Yeah, because they missed an extra point. I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know. I, they had like a 60-yard touchdown thing, pass, so. too, where it was like when I watched it, I was like, ooh, that, that kind of looks like, you know, Andrell Anthony this season being deep downfield. So that's what I'm saying. Man, it's just it's all about the receivers in this game. Huck bombs to your awesome receivers. All right, well, we'll be back in the middle of the week to talk OU Texas. Uh, kind of interested to, to watch more Texas. I, you know, I've, I've seen a decent amount of them, but I haven't really – dug in to kind of really figure out what they're doing and yeah i mean their their defense obviously is playing very well um good for good for texas yeah I, they're excited quinn ewers is pretty good uh yeah like i all right well, let's see i mean they're 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 supposed to win this game like it's kind of nice you know maybe maybe uh it can be a one maybe for the first time ever oklahoma can come into the game as an underdog and maybe texas is a team that actually plays like garbage and oklahoma actually plays better than they're supposed to would that be nice to happen? I'm sure it, it has happened before. I mean, it's just, it seems like it's always the other way around. Like, I know the one that you always like to bring up is what, 2015, when Texas was really bad. And uh, didn't they beat OU in 2015 with Baker? Yeah. And, yeah, and it yeah, was and, not and, even, wasn't even really close. Kept him at arm's length the like, entire game. Had, had no business being in that game. Like, bad football team and up oh, the rivalry. And it's like, yeah, like I know that we totally disagree on this, but that shouldn't matter. I don't care. Just go play. Go play. Yeah, and crap I, I think bad this is where it, and like I, I think it's fine to throw last year out, or even even not. Texas played exceptionally well last year, even like given the circumstances in that game, they they showed up they and did. they made sure that OU was not going to challenge them at all. So credit to them for that. But we're on from 2013 on now. If you throw last year out, that's that's ten or eleven consecutive games where I I genuinely feel. That Texas has played totally over their heads against Oklahoma, has played better than they had shown in any other game that entire season. That's I, I genuinely believe Texas has played their best game of the season like eleven straight years against OU. I'm tired of that crap. I want to see it reverse. <laughs> the thing is, they've already played some really good games so far this year. So I mean, it'd be, it's almost like you can, Kansas. I mean, that's a that's a great. I mean, Kansas is not a not a bad football team. They're a really pretty good football team. And I will say, after yeah, watching, I mean, that well, was yeah. that was the most I've seen of Kansas. Kansas's defense still is atrocious. It's like it's really bad still. Interesting, because like statistically, it's been really good. So I, it's kind of maybe it's just the, who they played, and uh, I know they played BYU and BYU, a good win for them, you know, over Cincinnati. But uh, yeah, no, like it, this is a really interesting matchup and. We'll see. I mean, Oklahoma's done really well so far, and they're exactly where they wanted to be going into this game. Credit to Oklahoma. I, I, I'm st still came into this year as a wait and see approach, and like credit to Brent Venables, man. Brent Venables has been really good so far this year. I, I can't say enough, like how it's. I'm I'm very very pleasantly surprised, and I, it's it'd be really awesome if. They continue to play well, and they play well, obviously. And then if they can knock off this Texas team, whew, boy, that's exciting. I, I know. I know Brent Venables is going to have some stuff for Quinn Ewers that is going to confuse him next week. 
I, I mean, I, I still remember that game plan against Colt McCoy in 2009, where they were just, I, I mean, I could even see it from the, you know, from the stands, just like how, like, right before the snap, how they were getting into a different coverage right before the snap, and like how they were just switching a bunch of stuff up. And Colt McCoy was really confused. And you hope, and that was with a really veteran OU team. It's fine. I mean, that was 14 years ago now, but it's just, you know, that Brent Venables has that, you know, has that in his arsenal. And uh, it is. I mean, this game is going to come down to whatever quarterback plays better. I, I think that's, I don't think that's a, that's a hot take at all. If Dylan Gabriel outplays Quinn Ewers, OU is going to win and vice versa. All right, well, we'll have uh, all week to talk about it. So we'll be back. Uh, we'll usually try to record on Wednesday. So we'll have a podcast come out either Wednesday or Thursday talking OU Texas. So until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.